Welcome to the Progressing Lives Everywhere podcast, brought to you by Amoria Bond. In each episode, Amoria Bond will interview a prominent leader from across their specialist STEM sectors to discuss their personal experiences of progression and share invaluable insights and inspiring anecdotes of what progression means to them. This is Progressing Lives Everywhere. Hello and welcome to the first of our special four-part mini-series, Progressing Lives Everywhere Through Unlocking Effective Communication. Your host, Andrew Beard, is joined by international experts to explore the importance of effective communication in business and society at large, responding to claims by many commentators, such as number three ranked CEO in the world, Bob Chapman, that the language of business is broken. In part one, Andrew is joined by Sarah Hanna of the Barry Y. Miller Group, who incidentally has worked closely with Bob Chapman. Sarah shares insights into how world-class organizations and leaders communicate and how they equip their employees with the skills to achieve and maintain communication mastery. Andrew also discusses the concept of the MSC leader with Petra and Ineke from The Potential Project. Later in the series, you can hear from high-performance podcaster and author of Liquid Thinking, Professor Damian Hughes, as well as Esther Critchen and psycholinguist Felicity Wingrove. Enjoy. Sarah, thank you very much for taking the time to, to join the podcast. We really appreciate you doing so, and we're really interested to learn as much as possible about Barry Waymiller, Chapman & Co Consulting, and in particular on this subject of progressing lives through communication. Could you start, first of all, I'm, I'm sure our listeners would be really interested to know this, by giving us a bit more about uh, your journey so far with, with Barry Waymiller and, and Chapman and & Co. Sure, absolutely. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with everybody who listens to this podcast. Um, I've been with Barry Waymiller, who is our parent company, for about 16 years. And for those not familiar, it's a capital equipment goods manufacturing company. So we make machinery that bottles, caps, conveys all of the things that you might find in a grocery store. Uh, when I joined the organization, I was really fortunate to work directly for our CEO, Bob Chapman. And as a CEO and a leader, he really has embraced this idea that for the 40, 50, 60 hours a week that we have people in our span of care were a material influence on their lives. And so at the time I joined, we had Bob as the CEO and that beautiful idea about businesses impact on the world. And we lacked a lot of structure. And how do you actually bring that idea um, to people in the farthest corner of an organization? So um, what we do is hard work. Uh, you have people working in a machine shop, you have people working um, in jobs that are really difficult. And so how do you both create meaningful work, but also that they walk out the door feeling cared for. So that long journey over 10 years internal to, to Barry Waymiller, and then six years uh, launching a consulting organization was really about how do we make the work better? And how do we teach skills for leaders so that they understand uh, what it means to be inspirational, what it means to care for people in the context of business. So that is as short a version of the story as possible. Thanks for that. One of the reasons I was really keen in particular to reach out to you was I joined one of the webinars that you did earlier this year and, and Bob was on that webinar. He, he is one of my personal role models in business. 
And he said something that really struck a chord with me, which was he said, in his opinion, the language of business is broken. So what, what did he mean by that exactly? You know, I think there's the the surface layer of some of the terms that we use that feel really, I, I would use the word inhumane. We talk about, you know, we fire people, which comes from the term a firing squad. Uh, we call people managers and supervisors, and none of us actually want to be managed and or supervised. And yet we give people that title versus a leader. There's a deeper layer to say we often just don't talk about things that matter to people. And so one of the activities that we do quite often in our training, we've probably taken at least 50,000 people through this activity is we'll just simply ask, what's a word that inspires you? It can be anything. And we will not put qualifiers on it. And people will invariably respond. And this is in the context of business. We're in a leadership training course. And people will respond with care or family or challenge perhaps love on occasion. And then we'll ask people to share a story of why they selected that word. So think of a time in their working career that explains why that word. What people will not put in uh, is return on investment. They won't put in EBITDA. They won't put in revenue. These things will not, they've never come up. Uh, And this is all around the world, cross industry. It doesn't matter. These are the things that inspire humans. And yet in business, we don't talk about those things. And so the business metrics that I mentioned are really important. They're health indicators and we need to talk about them. But from a standpoint of what inspires people, what inspires all people is really, really different. And so I think that's where the language of business is broken. We often start talking about the wrong thing. And ultimately, every single organization is a collection of of people. So let's talk about the things that inspire them. One of the things I've really heard there was humane language rather than just simply the, the business language is a key part. Mm-hmm. On that subject, I'd be really interested to learn a bit more. Obviously, communication is a massive subject, mm-hmm. but what would you say are some of the other key areas of approach to communication that, that really stand out with, with Barry Waymiller and, and what impact that has on the lives of its employees? No, I think it's one starting at, with what matters. So if you're going to go to all the trouble of defining your purpose and values as an organization, how often we're talking about those things, we're using them to make decisions, we're you know pulling it off the wall and saying, if we believe this, then that should define our direction forward. I think you know COVID worldwide has provided an opportunity for leaders to do or not do that. So this is a a monumental change we all had to go through. And it was an opportunity to say, if if we, for Barry Waymuller, we measure success by the way we touch the lives of people. So how does that drive our decision-making when the business is, is really compromised? The other piece of it is we are taught to have brilliant presentation skills. We're taught to, you know, transmit. We're taught to find our voice in school. And very few of us are taught the skills of listening. And so I think for the Barry Waymuller journey and certainly for our clients that we work with, um, that's a huge mindset shift, um, especially from a leadership standpoint. If I want to grow people, then I can't always be running around solving all of their problems. I have to learn the skills of really brilliant open-ended questions. And I got to stop talking and I have to learn how to listen. We know that that's a really active process. All of us think faster than anyone can speak. 
which is why for some of us, and it might include this podcast, uh, we turn it up to one and a half to two times. 30 minute podcast, 15 minutes, knocked it out. Because there's no way that I can speak faster than you can think. And so in the context of somebody who might be in my span of care, as they're talking about a challenge that they're facing or a problem they're facing, and my day is stacked and it's packed, and I don't feel like I have the time to listen, I have to actually put in active energy um, to what those skills look like. And we have to teach it because um, most of us were not taught the skill. And so we think we equate it to just simply not talking, but when reality, it's a process that we have to learn. It's funny, I was smiling because I, I've literally just got home from my trip trip home from the office and I, I was listening to a podcast on 1.5, my Audible yes. on two, if I can understand them. And I, I'm just, the other thought that was coming into my head is, is that impacting my ability to be able to listen because I'm speeding everything up? Is it actually creating yes. some kind of circuitry that's affecting my listening skills? It also feeds really nicely into the, the, the next question. And one of the key themes that we're looking at in this podcast is, is that listening element and, and what a crucial role that plays in effective communication. One of the other themes is around meeting others at their needs and, and where their energy levels are. But Bob wrote on this, this people-focused approach, Everybody Matters, and it's an excellent book. It talks about the, the Barry Waymiller University, and I know you have been involved in that. In, in creating that. Could you tell us a bit more about that uh, story in terms of the creation of the Barry Waymill University and then also on this subject of listening because I know one of the courses that's really had an impact is this uh, communication skills training but the particular elements of listening. In the context of Barry Waymiller, I think, you know, we are so fortunate that we have Bob and that he has this beautiful belief about people. And so in the early days of the culture journey, uh, I would describe it as we did a lot of nice things around culture. And Bob would do listening sessions. And we would try and expose as many people in the organization to his way of thinking as possible. Uh, because Barry Way Miller grows through acquisition, we've done 110 acquisitions. The acquisitions quickly outpaced our ability to have Bob be the center of the, the cultural journey. And so how do you get it to live and breathe beyond um, a charismatic CEO. So the original premise of the university was we have to be able to translate a belief into actionable behaviors. And for a lot of people in the organization, it's, it's fairly pronounced in a lot of places, but especially in manufacturing. If I grew up in the industry, supervision um, to me was I see that you got in on time and I get you the parts that you need and I do care about you and I want to facilitate the work. Uh, but when your CEO comes around and says, my expectation is that you're inspirational. My expectation is that you care for people. Uh, my expectation is that you create a workplace where everybody matters. You don't get disagreement. Uh, most people are like, I want that too. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. But what you do get is you get people who say, I don't know how to do that. I've never seen it. I've never experienced it. I certainly haven't been treated that way. And so I don't know Monday morning at 8 a.m. what you want me to do about it. I'm on board. I love it. But what do you want me to do about it? And so Barry Waymuller University was really born out of that desire to translate the behaviors so that in the farthest corner of the organization on our worst day, we're making progress towards everybody being treated as we would hope. And so in the initial stages, it was really distilling the very best leaders that we had at the time and what they did 
that was special and unique and different. Working with, we're headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri in the United States, and we have a brilliant university. I'm an alum of Washington University in St. Louis, and I've partnered with that institution to build a lot of the content. Uh, And as we started to teach it, we started to realize a few things. And one was, if I want somebody to show up at work and listen and care for people, I have to teach them skills for their whole life. So people would go through communication skills training, which is a three-day course, and they would come back and tell us about the fact that they now knew how to raise their kids and that some of the challenges in their relationships were being helped because we were teaching them listening and effective feedback and how to recognize and celebrate behaviors that you want to see more of. And so in particular, that skill set really resonated. And with a lot of people who said, had I known this, I would have led totally differently. I just, nobody ever told me. And so that became the listening component really became the foundational element of of the university and what really launched our nonprofit um, and what launched the Leadership Institute and working with companies really all around the world to do this same work. That's really interesting. Two things that just stood out to me there. The first one was you mentioned people say, I just never knew about this stuff. And that's really what we've seen happens with leadership often is you kind of, a a bit like parenting, you you get the job, but you're not necessarily qualified to do it. And then all of a sudden you start to reverse engineer it and and then try and learn these skills almost after the horse has bolted and and you've got the, you've got the opportunity or you're a parent or you're a leader. And the other thing that's really stood out there is it's one of the questions I was going to ask you is why has this had such a big impact? But it seems like it's had a a big impact because uh, it's not just impacted people at work, it's impacted their life. And then you have this cycle of, well, if it's impacting their life in a positive way, they're coming back to work in a positive way. And, and on you go, it just creates a, a positive force for, for change within any environment that they find themselves in. I think that's completely correct. And I think we believe that if you're showing up as a different person at home and at work, you're lying in one of those places. And um, we are who we are and really providing an environment that people can be their authentic self at work. And it's not the reason to do it is not to benefit the business. The reason to do it is because we all spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week at work. And this is a material influence on your life. But when we do this correctly, it does have a material impact on what the business can accomplish. And so we see these things as an absolute virtuous cycle. Uh, One of the things that people get wrong about Barry Waymuller all of the time is uh, an article will be written and it will say Barry Waymuller puts people over profit. And from our standpoint, we absolutely do not. Uh, the number one way we touch the lives of people is by staying in business. If we create a thriving business, um, then people have opportunities to grow. As we grow our people, uh, the business grows. And these things are a virtuous cycle. Um, not something that is balanced. or it's, I, I don't know why people will always want to put it in tension with each other versus one feeding the other. Yeah, it's. Um, I know Simon Sinek featured you guys a lot. And then you're friends of each other, if you like. He's friends of Barry Waymiller. Mm-hmm. Barry Wayman and friends of Simon Sinek, and he talks about people, profit, purpose, the, the three key mm-hmm. pillars. You can't have an effective business if you don't have all of these three pillars in place. So, yeah, that that, that illustrates that point very well. In the book, actually, on the subject of impacting lives, the, the story that I really resonated with me, and I, I read it again just before we had the, uh, this interview, it was Shane Roberts, and he said he didn't just use the training at work, he applied it in his personal life by calling his daughter. He 
he gave the story that his check-in call with his daughter every week was often quite transactional. She was at a university, I think, or something. So do you need money? Are you getting your, you know, you get your work done, et cetera. And, and one day he just simply called her and said, and left her a message which said, I love you. So, and, you know, un- unconditional statement. And then she rang straight back to say that the message made us almost stop in the street and, and she was in tears. So it's a lovely moment that illustrates this point about how this, this training on listening has impacted people in, inside and outside an organization. We went on to say it was like a light bulb going off. It was a direct, sincere statement for her. He wasn't looking for anything in return. And it wasn't about meeting his needs by receiving information. It was about meeting hers. So as I said, it really illustrates that point well. The book goes on to say, which really stood out to me, is most people come into CST, so the communication skills training, thinking they are great listeners. And what this actually means is I'm good at receiving information and parroting it back. True deep listening is not about formulating response or helping someone solve a problem. It's about being present to the needs of the other person. I know this isn't easy. This is a, I do believe this is a skill that can be developed. What would you say for anyone listening who does want to be a better listener? What can they do to simply start this process and, and make those small steps and, and, and gather the momentum through this to become a better listener? That's a great question, I think. And it links to the earlier point around I've been promoted into a leadership role and nobody told me that my job fundamentally changed. And I might have been the king or queen of the doers and the best at my job and I get promoted to that role and suddenly I'm not doing the doing, I'm doing the leading. And the reason I bring this up is because the first way I become a better listener is I have to have a mindset shift around what my role is. And so instead of kind of coming into it as like, I'm now the chief problem solver, um, which I'm really, really good at because that's how I got promoted in the first place is my ability to solve problems. I have to shift to my role is to help you solve your problem. And the way that I do that is by thinking about what you need in the moment. And so do I have those fundamental listening skills? Am I giving you kind of this attending behavior? Am I uh, checking in and encouraging you to tell me more before I leap to all of my assumptions? One of the, the tips, tricks for better listening that we teach in class is we want you to meditate essentially on the image of a dry erase board. And as all of those thoughts start to creep in, it could be the solution to the problem. It could be your grocery list, whatever it is. I'm, I'm literally going to try to mentally erase what those thoughts are. The other trick is, as I'm listening to somebody to kind of make sure that I'm staying present, I'm going to attempt to visualize what you're saying like it's a movie and characters. And I'm going to give my brain something to do that's focused on that person. The traps that we fall into, especially if somebody's sharing something that's difficult or is a problem, the trap that we fall into is one, I'm going to try and solve your problems. I think I'm, I'm helping you or I'm going to try and reassure you. And we'll say things like, oh, it'll be okay. And in reality, I don't know that it is. And so that always lands false for the person who really just wanted you to show up and listen. And that looks like, tell me more. That looks like, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Uh, that looks like I can tell you're really frustrated about about the decision that was just made. Uh, And then I'm going to let the person say yes or no to that. Um, And I'm not going to assume that I'm always getting it completely correctly. Um, But it takes a lot of mindset shift for those skills to really sink in and and have an impact. 
the last one that I would layer on is shifting from, you brought up Shane Robertson in that particular story. He's an extraordinary leader. He just retired from Barry Waymiller um, and we miss him dearly. The reason why that kind of aha moment for him happened um, was the mindset shift, but also moving from data mining, which is I'm asking a lot of yes, no questions, which as parents, we do. Do you have your backpack? Did you pack your homework? Do you have your lunch? All of those data mining questions um, to open-ended questions, questions that can't be answered with yes or no. How's it going? And then I'm going to actually listen to the response. Those two things in combination can fundamentally change every relationship that you have. You've almost got a checklist there, haven't you, that you can go into if it's a prepared conversation. Um, well, obviously, it could be an unprompted one as well. But definitely those prepared conversations, you can almost go in and go, right, these are the things that are likely to happen in this. And this is how I'm going to respond. This is my checklist. I'm, I'm not going to try and solve their problems for them, for example. I am going to try and focus on open-ended questions. I'm not going to necessarily give sympathy, but I, I will be em- empathetic to, to the situation. So you, you, the more, I guess, you practice that, the more it starts to form habits and, and the better the, yeah, the better experience the conversation will be and the better listener we, we might become. And the one an additional mindset shift that helps with that is I don't have to agree or disagree with everything that you say. I can just accept that that's your viewpoint and acknowledge that that's where you're coming from. So this is the way you survive family holidays. I accept that that is what you believe. And I don't, once I get into that yes, no debate, especially with the people who are closest to us, I haven't accepted or listened to what it was that you were trying to share with me. And so yeah. now I'm, I'm damaging the relationship versus okay, great. I get that that's where you're coming from. Brilliant. I could spend a day unpacking as much as possible about the, the Barry Raymond companies, about your experience. But, you know, and it was a personal mission to, for me to feature the organization in more detail for our our community, because I know there's a lot that we can model on, on how things are done there. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share those insights. Highly recommend Bob's book, Everybody Matters. And I know that there's a lot of available resource and there's a podcast indeed that's, that was launched this year I listened to quite a few of those business purpose came up a lot in, in that as well so there's a whole wealth of information that you guys do put out there to share and, and if people want to learn more they can go to find those out so thank you very much indeed for taking part Inika, Petra, thank you very much for taking part in this special edition of the Progressing Lives Everywhere podcast series. Petra, I'd like to start with you. What's your definition of a mindful leader? How many time do we have? <laughs> a mindful leader is someone who is present in the moment and who has the awareness to know and to choose where to put their focus on. And we did, as a potential product, we did a research with HBR for three years. And we want to find out what is a great leader in the 21st century. And what we found were three mental qualities, which are key for success. And I will tell them, of course, and it's mindfulness, selflessness and compassion. And we call it an MSC leader. And mindfulness, I talked about it a little bit. It's being aware of what's going on and consciously 
choose where to put your focus on and be fully present with other people. It's also about putting your people first. So creating a people-centered organization and culture. And then secondly, selflessness, what's that? It's also maybe about stepping back and having others give the opportunity to develop and grow. And that's not about being a doormat. It's not about accepting everything from everyone. We have to combine it with self-confidence. And in this way, you have a recipe for inclusive leadership and equality for all the employees. And selflessness is also about having a beginner's mind and being open and curious for new solutions and new opportunities. Okay, and certainly compassion, uh, that's very important. And that's uh, having the intention to be of benefit to others. This has to be combined with wisdom and the ability of discerning what's right in a particular moment. Compassion is also about being courageous, taking tough decisions in a human way that serves at the same time the organization interest. When I talk about an MSC leader, an example comes to mind, uh, and I think the listeners can relate to her. It's Jacinda Ardern, she's the Prime Minister of New Zealand. And I think she embodies the three, three qualities totally. I love at the start of the pandemic, she did that Zoom call for the entire nation in yeah. yeah. her sweater saying, look, sorry, guys, I'm not dressed as a prime minister should be, but I've just been putting a toddler to bed. And if you're wearing a suit to put a toddler to bed, it's not going to end well. I just And then in the end, she got straight down to business and said, look, guys, this is not great. We're going to be having to do all these things. This is what you like to see. Yeah, for yeah. me, it was one of the, the best pieces of leadership I, I saw last year if, if, you know, for a long time. I completely agree. She's an MSC leader. Um, and she showed she she really showed up as a as a human being. Yeah, she really did. Well, there's a couple of things I really like with the concept. One, I like that it's research based. So you've really invested this time to come up with this concept of a modern leader. And I love the way that some phrases that you know the traditional business world might see as being too soft, you turn them into a much more yes, they deliver hard results, but they're not soft leadership. It's soft skills such mm-hmm. as like you said, not being a doormat. So a compassionate leader tells people what they need to hear, but in a compassionate way with the intention of being of benefit to others. So I think there's some great concepts in there that not just concepts, you can take the steps to turn yourself or develop yourself into this this modern leader. And and Inika, how do MSC leaders progress lives with the way they communicate? Is there a a simple checklist that you could provide us with so we, we could benchmark ourselves against this? Well, that would be great if there was just a checklist and when you do all the things which are on on that list, uh, you would be an MSC leader. I think it's asked more of us because when you want to communicate in a conscious way, you have to be aware of what you think, what you say, how you show up. And that asks a lot of becoming aware of, we call it your inner game. What's going in on inside yourself? What do you choose to express? And how do you express what's, what you want to express? And that you are able to choose your reaction and to choose your words and not acting on autopilot. And it asks of you to be 
really present in the moment and to be open and alert. It asks some training and time to reflect on how you are doing that. The work that stood out to me there was intentional. So you're being very intentional, you're very aware and you're being very intentional about how you're going about being an MSP leader. helps for every meeting or every day to, before you enter, to ask yourself, how do I want to show up? What's my intention for this meeting or for this day? It's also about, it's not only mastering your inner game, but also silencing your inner, inner voice. So being still in the mind, not shutting your mouth only, but still in your mind. In that way, you can be open to other people. And in that way, you can invite other people to come up with solutions and creativity and to use their full potential. It's about doing less, be more. Lovely phrase. Let's take Jacinda Arden as a working example. Now, I'm presuming you've not met her, but I, I would imagine, like we said, she's an MSC leader. How would you imagine she delivers feedback? So how does M- how does an MSC leader deliver feedback? And how would you imagine her being an MSC leader? How do you imagine she delivers feedback? That's about uh, preparing yourself as a leader before you, you you start, so you can show up in a calm way, and you take the time, and you have a calm voice, and you create a safe space. For the other person and another thing is prepare a clear short message so in in dutch we say hard on the message message soft on the relationship so be human uh, at the same time you stay with the message very clear message you are fully present with the other person and you also be aware of the body language and the non-verbal signs of the other person. So there's also space for emotions and for the reaction uh, of the other person. I think this is a way of proper feedback and you do it in a compassionate way. So you want to help to grow the other person. If you feedback, if you give it in a good way, then it's a present for another person. It also, and you already mentioned it in your, when you explained what an MSC leader is or a mindful leader is, it asks courage. What we see often is you have to deliver, deliver a message, which is very painful, like firing a lot of people or a whole group or expressing results who are not satisfying and have a lot of impact. To be honest and open, and like Petra already said, clear, and and to stay with the uh, reactions of all the people or the person in front of you and not sliding away. Yeah, and and in the online world, that's even more of a challenge now, reading emotional cues and things like that. But I I really like the simplicity of, of some of these steps. These are things that you can practice. You can practice delivering clear, 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 short messages. I love the, the statement, you know, hard on the message, soft on, on the person. I think that's, that's a great way of going about communication feedback. Not only a great concept, it's, it's, a, it's a template for the modern leader, like you've said, this MSC leader. So some invaluable advice there. Thank you both very much for that. And thank you for taking part in progressing lives through effective communication. 
Thank you for listening to Progressing Lives Everywhere, brought to you by Moria Bond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others find the podcast. For more information on Amoria Bond specialist services and to access the podcast show notes, head over to amoriabond.com. Join us next time as we continue to progress lives everywhere.